What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Baseball Connection. We have a lot to cover. Spring training is in full gear. Starters are playing. We're seeing some really interesting developments this spring because I think the buzz around all of baseball is obviously the new rules. And it's made a pretty big impact so far. I mean, let's let's just start there, actually. So on Friday, a loophole in the shift rule was uncovered. So we all know that they banned the shift this year, but we saw during the Red Sox and Twins game, the Red Sox found a loophole when Joey Gallo was up to bat. They wanted to use a shift, but of course the infielders are not allowed to leave their regular positions. So what they did was they brought an outfielder in. So they played with two outfielders and then they put someone in short right field, which is where, you know, last year that the second baseman would have been playing. So they found a loophole in the shift. Will Major League Baseball try to plug this loophole? I don't know. Then again, you also have to realize that with the pitch clock and the pace of play, you know, it's 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 going to be tough for outfielders to be running around like that. Maybe if they're only doing it for one batter, sure. If it's just Joey Gallo once through the order, then it's easy for them. But if they want to be using a shift, maybe two or three or four hitters in a lineup, I don't think that's going to be sustainable because you have the left fielder moving around and that, that's just too much moving around in order to beat the pitch clock. I don't think that's going to work. But if it's only one hitter in a lineup, then yeah, for sure I could see it see it working flawlessly until Major League Baseball decides to plug that loophole. But we are decidedly seeing some games just completely shatter old times. I mean, two and a half hours has been so routine now and this is the new type of baseball we're seeing i think it's exciting i really do we're gonna see a new style of game and I, i'm i always welcome change to grow the game that's always been my take you know baseball is baseball to me uh we don't have to keep things exactly the same all the time and these these are changes we'll get used to it it, it would help it would help in some aspects to definitely increase the tempo of the game i know the argument against it is you know the Whole, the whole joy of baseball is that there's no clock and you can kind of build up to those big moments like we've seen oftentimes with big home run moments and things like that. But I think we're going to gain some other things from the up-tempo than compared to what we lose from having longer ABs. But going into the news, this week, Gavin Lux tours ACL. So he tours ACL on his right knee. He's going to be out for the season. Uh, it's not just ACL. It was his LCL as well. So that's a pretty serious injury. I mean, you're talking about a year at least, I mean, especially with two ligaments like that. If I mean, ACL is typically 9 to 12 months, but ACL plus LCL, you're, you're going to see him out for 12 months for sure. I think 2024 is a good return time for him. Opening day 2024 would be a good time for him. But it's a big blow because Gavin Lux finally had the starting shortstop job and he was slated to step into the spotlight. You know, they had Corey Seager leave after 2021. They had Trey Turner leave after 2022. So this was Gavin Lux's turn. But he was base running and he was he was, he was trying to avoid a throw across the diamond. And in doing so, his knee buckled, tumbled to the ground in pain. And now the Dodgers are going to look to Miguel Rojas as, as the backup. I mean, he's going to be the guy who's to step into this role. I mean... Miguel Rojas, before this injury, was going to be a utility man, but now he's going to be the everyday shortstop. Of course, the Dodgers still have Chris Taylor. He's going to probably get some reps in there as well. 
And now Mookie Betts is going to see some extra work at second base for the Dodgers as well. The thing about Gavin Lux is he was really coming into his own with the bat. Highly touted prospect we know in his time in the minor leagues. He was really coming into his own. This is going to be the first you know, full season at shortstop, but it's going to have to wait another year. But fortunately for him, he is 25 years old. So, you know, it's not it's, it's not career threatening in, in any regard. You know, players miss a season here or there once in a while. Having that happen to 25 is not is not a deal breaker. And we all remember how good he's going to be. It's not going to affect his contracts or anything like that. His, his future contracts. Speaking of future contracts, the Padres are going to explore extension talks with Josh Hader and Juan Soto this spring. I think they're more likely to get an extension done with Hader than Soto because Soto has put some big numbers out there. I mean, this is someone who turned down, I think he turned down 350, $350 million from the Nats. I don't know what the structure of that deal was, if it was super backloaded or anything, but he's turned down $350 million. So, is someone this is someone that's t- ticketed for free agency in all likelihood. Hader is 29 next month. So you could see him probably wanting to settle down at this point and just secure that bag if they offer him a deal that's that's uh you know that makes sense to him. You look at other closers. Edwin Diaz this past winter signed a 5-year, 102 million dollar deal with the with the Mets to return to New York. So Nine figures could be in range for Hader, but to be honest, Josh Hader's best days are behind him. They really are. Um, we're not going to see the same Hader we saw with the Brewers in 2017, 2018, for example. But he still a he still has some value and might be a bargain if you're able to lock him up before he hits the open market. In other news, Tyler Glass now is out six to eight weeks with an oblique strain. So the Rays announced this that he suffered a grade two strain of his left oblique six to eight weeks before he's ready to return to a game setting. So this will, this will put him out for opening day and the rotation is going to be fine for the Rays. I mean, even with glass now on the shelf, the Rays saw a breakout season in 2022 from Shane McClanahan and McClanahan was squarely in that AL Cy Young mix for most of the season before he had that shoulder injury late in the year. So, They'll be, they'll be fine. They'll be able to hold things down until Glasnow gets back. Glasnow is earning $5.35 million this season. And, you know, yeah. I mean, he inked an extension last summer, though. It was a weird contract because what they did, they just added one year $25 million. So for 2024, he's going to make $25 million. But it was a weird deal. So he's secured through 2024, even if this year... Uh, he, I'm not going to say he's going to miss a lot of time. Really, six to eight weeks is not a big deal, especially considering it's early March. So not really a big deal. I'm not even going to go there. But yeah. In other news, I want to run through an article I, I came across. This is talking about five under-the-radar MVP predictions for 2023. And these are some players that have some helium going into the year. Number one is Adley Rutschman. So talking about about a guy who was runner-up for AL Rookie of the Year last year, and some people think he could have won it, honestly, if he had played the entire season. He played 113 games. You know, He came up in May, so he, he didn't play the full season, whereas Julio Rodriguez did. Had he played the full season, maybe he would have won Rookie of the Year. But you're talking about a catcher and probably going to be the best catcher in baseball this year, better than JT Realmuto. 
weighted runs created plus. I mean, that, that bat is special. 133 weighted runs created plus. And he combines that with superb work defensively. Created very positively as a pitch framer. His rookie year and a strong arm and fast pop times helped him log a 30.6% caught stealing rate. That's the 10th best among catchers. So he is an under-the-radar MVP prediction for 2023. Another one is Masataka Yoshida for the Red Sox. Okay, I'm just going to say right here, I don't really agree with this one. This is just what MLB is saying. I mean, the the buzz around him is that he was a super effective hitter in Japan. He was a very complete hitter. He hits for average. He hits for power. He's elite at getting on base, and he doesn't strike out. So he's really a complete hitter in all senses. Over the past five seasons, he had a 973 OPS with 22 homers a year in Japan. And the projections love him. Steamer projects him to win the MLB batting title, which is a big projection. Honestly, I don't know how they're doing this. Like, How do you translate stats from Japan over to the major leagues on a steamer projection? Maybe obviously they have precedent. They have other players that they've looked at, but I think there's a, there's been a lot of variance with hitters coming over from Japan. You've had guys who've come over and hit really well. You've had guys who've come over and struggled. There's been a lot of variance, everything in between. So how do you necessarily know what to expect with Yoshida? But that's the scouts like him, the projections like him. So we'll see. Wander Franco is third on this list. So I'm a huge Wander Franco fan, as some of you may know. He's still just 22 years old. And he already has an, a track record of elite plate discipline at the MLB level. In 2022, his strikeout rate was third lowest in the majors. He had a bit of an injury bug in 2022. I think if he's healthy, you're going to see him up there. This is someone who's on like the Vlad Guerrero Jr. level, in my opinion. He's an all-star waiting to happen. I think this is someone who will who will be one of the best shortstops in the game in in like either if not this year or maybe next year very very soon Corey Seager is fourth on this list we know who he is so last season was not exactly what the Rangers or Seager had in mind when they signed him to that 10-year 325 million dollar contract but at the end of the day this is someone who has a track record of success he nabbed his third all-star selection and he was still good I mean honestly like it, it was not so, 151 games played, super durable, 119 OPS plus. The expectations were sky high because this guy signed such a fat deal. But if you look at him, like you're still getting an All Star and 4.0 Baseball Reference War. You're just not you're not getting that's an All Star legitimate All Star. You're not getting an MVP candidate or anything like that. But an All Star who's steady and plays every day will take that all season long and also at a premium position. And last but not least on this list is someone who we've seen on this list, it seems every year, but Byron Buxton, Dark Horse MVP selection. We know the story of Buxton. It's true. Very legitimately a Dark Horse MVP selection if he's healthy, but he's never been healthy, so I don't even think it's worth talking about. At this point, Buxton is who he is. He's 29 years old, and it is what it is. You're not getting healthier with age, and yeah, he's, he's injury prone. So I don't even think it's worth, I mean, it's always fun to dream on and we can enjoy him for the games that he plays, but that's all we get just a part of the season each year. So that's where we stand with things. Folks, remember the World Baseball Classic starts in just a week. The World Baseball Classic starts in just a week. That is going to be fun. We will have full coverage for you here as real games. I, I consider that to be the start of the season We'll be covering that every single day. So stay tuned. 
But that's going to do for today. If you enjoyed this, please share with someone who'd be interested. And we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.